Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Well, folks, what a wild ride, what a wild week it has been in the world of SU basketball. The first ever win in the ACC tournament on Tuesday, and then a heartbreaking, demoralizing loss to UNC on Wednesday in the ACC tournament. And frankly, we don't know anything more than we did earlier this week. Welcome into this edition of Fizz Radio alongside Tim Leonard. I'm J.D. Rachi here to break everything down for you from the ACC tournament to what we think the NCAA tournament could look like for Syracuse. But before we get into the bulk of this show, make sure you're following us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, at Orange Fizz. You can also find all of our written articles, all of our content on orangefizz.net. And to find Fizz Radio episodes like this and and other fizzcasts, some smaller podcasts we do, make sure to follow along, along with us on SoundCloud by searching Orange Fizz. Well, Tim, Tuesday starts the week. You know, it, it was a very tumultuous time for Syracuse basketball heading into the tournament. Yep. They've never gotten a win in the ACC tournament before this week. And then all of a sudden you think, hmm, maybe they'll get a win here, maybe not. Wake's already beaten them once. Syracuse has beaten them once. Pretty much a toss-up, but then they go out and play incredibly well against Wake Forest and pick up that all-important first ACC tournament win. Yeah, I mean, it was basically, like you said, we're kind of back to where we started. It's kind of everything that I imagined was going to happen. I kind of thought they'd get that win over Wake Forest just because Wake's, you know, frankly not that talented, and they took care of business at home, as you mentioned, and really it was... The, the the most surprising part about this performance to me was Marek Dolzhai and Pascal Chukwu. You actually get contribution from them in the scoring column. I mean, Dolzhai to put up a career-high 20 points on that big of a stage, first-ever ACC tournament game, only missed one shot the entire night. So that was the difference in the game for me. We know that Syracuse has had a big three all season and, frankly, not much else, and they finally got those other two starters to help them out a lot. But... It was kind of what I expected. I expected them to take care of business against Wake and then fall short against UNC like they did. Yeah, and going back to that Wake game, you mentioned how impressive Mark Dolajai was. I was very impressed with him. I was very impressed with Pascal Chukwu. But a guy that I think got overshadowed a bit, and it's surprising that he got overshadowed considering who he is, Tyus Battle, 18 points, 3 assists, 6 rebounds. But I think what he did well in this game was he was a great facilitator. He realized that Marek Dolajai was having the night of his right. life, and he let him go out and play. And that's the sign of a true leader, and that's why Tyus Battle is the leader of this Syracuse basketball team and is the straw that stirs the drink, is the cog that makes the machine go. Tyus Battle is so important to this team, whether he's scoring, whether he's not. And that's what I was probably most impressed with on uh, on Tuesday night against Wake Forest. And another thing I was really impressed with was how about this defense for Syracuse? Yeah, I mean, we've been seeing it all year, but I feel like even just the past three games, going back to that Clemson game, this Syracuse defense has looked even better than they've been for a majority of the season. I thought that that Clemson game was probably the best all-around defensive performance they put together. And even in the UNC game, they played pretty well on the defensive side of the ball. That wasn't the reason they lost this game. So it kind of hurts from a Syracuse perspective because I really do feel like this team is peaking at the right time. They're trending up, and they're playing the best basketball they've played all season. Mark Dolzhai has looked like a completely different player. He's looked way more aggressive, and on one hand, 
that's great news if you get in the tournament. But on the other hand, it seems like it might be a little too little too late, and it just hurts because this team, you see them playing with more confidence. You see them playing better at, at the right time, but it might not even matter at the end of the day. Yeah, and going back to this defense for Syracuse in that Wake Forest game, looking at the box score right now, sure, Bryant Crawford goes off for 22 points. He's going to do that pretty much night in, night out. He's by far Wake Forest's most talented and probably best player in general. But then you look at the other guys, Doral Moore, 7 points, Brandon Childress, 11. Those were the other two top scorers. Shondi Brown also had 7 but only two double-digit scores for Wake Forest. And I think that really shows how good this Syracuse defense can be. It's kind of like, we're going to let the one guy beat us, but we're not going to let the team beat us. We've seen so many times where just this random person goes off um, in, a, in a random game. Like, it'll just come out of nowhere. Kind of the If you think back to last season, Ryan McMahon for Louisville comes in and pretty much ices that game right. for the Cardinals. Kyle and, guy a couple times. Right, exactly. So, like, you, you, you see this so many times that some random guy will come in and score a lot, and that's what ends up hurting you. But at least this time, Syracuse shut down all the role players, let the star have his night, and still came out on the right side of things. But now transitioning over to Wednesday night, the day after, a 9.30 tip, or even maybe a 9.45 tip. It right. was a pretty was late, late game. <laughs> tough to play back-to-back -back games, and then Syracuse just goes out and gets absolutely shellacked. By North Carolina. Yeah, and I guess in hindsight bias, you kind of saw this one coming because there's the limited rest there, and we know North Carolina has just dominated Syracuse since SU has joined the ACC. That's now six straight, actually seven straight wins for Roy Williams' this bunch, and for whatever reason, they figured out this 2-3 zone. They've got Theo Penson and Luke May who are just feasting at the high post, making plays happen all night, and it seems like Syracuse just... There was, there was a huge talent gap. I mean, I think anyone that's ever watched a basketball game in their entire life could have told you that on Wednesday night. SU has three guys that are, you know, top 100 guys, and that's including Brissett, who we know really isn't, and and that was partially probably because he was overlooked. Yeah, uh, he's from Canada. I'm going to continue to push that narrative. O'Shea Brissett <laughs> undoubtedly is a top 100 yeah. recruit in his class. There's he's, no question. He's proven that, but my point is there's guys on North Carolina – like a seventh Woods who does not play at all, and if he does, he plays three to four minutes, and he'd probably be starting on the Syracuse team. That's how big the talent gap is. I mean, we're talking about Brendan Hoffman off the bench, number 42. He doesn't play a lick for UNC. He'd be one of Syracuse's best role players. So the talent gap was just too big in my mind, and obviously UNC getting more rest and not to mention this is a UNC team that had lost its previous two games, one by a heartbreaker, buzzer beater from uh, Jaquan Newton in Miami and then to their arch rival Duke so they came in with a chip on their shoulder as well and it was really just a tough tough matchup for Syracuse in the second round yeah it was definitely tough I understand that there is a talent gap there but me personally I would like to see this put team put up a little bit more of a fight you look at the I'm looking at the stats here Tyus Battle four for 21 yeah he he 17 was... shots 17. You're never going to win with that. Frank Howard, 4 for 18, missed 14 shots. So between Frank Howard and Tyus Battle, 31 missed shots. That is not a formula to win a basketball game. No. Just isn't. They, and you've got to, as you said, because there is this talent disparity between Syracuse and UNC and Syracuse and really a lot of teams in the ACC, you have got to have your stars step up in big games. And really, they just didn't. 
I think Ty's battle played poorly. Sure, he had 15 points. Good for him. Uh, Frank had 12. He also had seven turnovers. I wrote an article uh, a couple of weeks ago that uh, I defended Frank Howard vehemently and said, Frank Howard does not get enough credit for what he does. I think he played a great game against Wake Forest. And then this is why he gets so much flack. This is why people don't like Frank Howard is because he'll have one game where he puts up like 20 points and has like eight assists and he'll have a fantastic game. Limited and Syracuse turnovers. will win. He'll have like one or two turnovers right. at most. And then the very next game, he will turn around and put together a an atrocious performance like this. The dude missed 14 shots. Yeah. Not four. 14. <laughs> he made four shots and missed 14. Do you know how bad that is? He it's also had good. seven turnovers. Yeah. And I, only three is or any only but four does assists. This loss really fall on Frank and Tyus. Oh no, it doesn't if not really, but still, I'm saying like they had to be better. They they had to be better. No, I they agree. They had to be better if they wanted to win this win this game and, and move on. And frankly, this hurts the NCAA tournament hopes a lot, which we'll get to a little bit later on. But this is a game you had to have and your stars didn't show up. O'Shea Brissett played absolutely massively in this game. Yeah. 20 points, 10 rebounds, went 5 of 7 from 3. Yeah, he made 5 of his fantastic. first 6. 7 yeah. of 14 overall. But something else we need to talk about is four guys on this Syracuse team all played at least 37 minutes. Mark Dolajai plays 37 of 40. Frank Howard plays 39 of 40. Tyus plays 39 of 40. O'Shea Brissett plays 38 of 40. And that's because Syracuse got in foul trouble early and often. Yeah, well, and I mean, obviously, Pascal Chukwu fouled out with, what, 17 minutes left in the he game? He fouled out four minutes into the second half. And partially, Do you know how hard that is? <laughs> partially, that's on Bayheim, if you ask me. You gotta, if he, when he picks up that fourth foul, you sit him down for a little bit, because you know that you need But him. where else do you turn? Sidibe? Yeah, I, mean, I understand, but he, Bayheim says in his presser. You can't that early. But Bayheim says in his presser, you know, Barama can't jump. He'll be healthy for next season, but he can't do anything now. I so know. at that point, where do you turn? It's also on on Pascal Chukwu because he needs to be more careful. It's also a little bit on the referees. They're a little bit whistle happy in this one. A little bit. <laughs> You're gonna have some fouls called, but that's that's part of the problem with SU's lack of depth. Is that once you have somebody get five fouls? Or once you have somebody get three or four fouls, you have nobody else to turn to. You just got to sit. You got to ride them and play. Continue to play. Absolutely. Our our good friend Jonathan Hoppy wrote an article on OrangeFizz.net a couple weeks ago that was basically quoting Dennis Green, the former Cardinals coach. And they saying, are who we right, thought they, they were. They are who we thought they were as in the Syracuse basketball team. Not to give Hoppy too much credit because we know he's got a pretty big head. So I don't want to. Pump his ego too much. Look at but... that accusation. I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> not on the airwaves, at least. Just poking fun. But anyway, <laughs> I, I did agree with this article a lot because, and I noticed this during the Syracuse-UNC game, specifically in the second half. And credit to SU because they fought like crazy in that second half. And when they brought out the press, you mentioned four guys play over 37 minutes. All those guys are gassed. They played the night before. They played a lot the week before. They're putting their heart on the line. They came back and made it actually a 10 or a 9-point game at one point. We're I think within, it got down to 9, which right. is good to see. They put up a fight. Yeah, and, and credit to them, but I'm watching that, and I'm watching Mark Dolzhai look like he just ran a marathon in the middle of the second half, and I don't blame him one bit, and it just hit me. 
This team, it's honestly almost a miracle that they're even on the bubble. When you look at what it started with, they were projected to finish 10th in the ACC to start the season. And that was with Torian Thompson, Geno Thorpe, a healthy Barama Sidibe, which you didn't get, as we know, for most of the year. A healthy Howard Washington, who tore his ACL in the middle of ACC play. Not much of a factor before them, but still, you don't have a backup point guard at all to go to. Matt Moyer has, you know, been bothered by injuries. Pascal Chukul has even been bothered by injuries. They're down to nothing. They've got six guys out there, and three of those guys can create their own shot. And frankly, I may have been too hard on Jim Beheim at some points of the season because it really hit me when I was watching this UNC game. And I'm seeing the talent disparity out there and how hard this team's working. And just the lack of talent this team has to be projected 10th in the ACC and have all those things go wrong and still get to 20 wins, I think is an accomplishment in and of itself. Yeah, I think Jim Beheim's done a great job with this team. I've always been on the side of Beheim. I think he's a fantastic coach. He wouldn't have had the success that he's had if he wasn't one. You've seen the 2-3 zone for a lot of teams. It has been absolutely baffling. You even right. said at one point yesterday that Carolina, who is, I think, the best team at breaking down the 2-3 zone. I agree and getting the ball into the high post and facilitating from there and letting their guys go to work. You even said yesterday watching the game, we were watching together, that you said early in the shot clock, Carolina looked a little frazzled against the 2-3 zone. So even these teams that are the top teams in the ACC, the top teams in the country, even they're having some issues against this 2-3 zone. I think that kind of proves that Jim Beheim has found a winning formula when he has the right talent and, when, frankly, when he has enough. He just doesn't have enough bodies on this team. No. You can't play Braden Bayer significant minutes. And then who's next off the bench? Patrick Hurley, he a former manager? He's yeah, your next, he's no your next big guy. Out of Outside of Matt Moyer, Mark Dolajai, Pascal Chukwu, and Barama Sidibe, your next big guy off the bench is Patrick Hurley. Guess what? Patrick Hurley he will not see the floor against North Carolina with significant minutes. No. That's just the fact of the matter. He just can't, and he won't. And he shouldn't. But that just proves the fact that Syracuse doesn't have enough pieces to turn to. And I think, all in all, Jim Beheim's done a fantastic job this season. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I just had to stand up for him a little bit because I think some fans in the area... And have... some people here at Orange Fist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we've gotten a little, a little unrealistic, maybe, with our expectations because the fact of the matter is when you look at this roster and you break it down, 20 wins is honestly kind of a reach for them to even expect to get to that point. So we'll see if they get in the NCAA tournament. I know we're going to talk about all that on our, after the break, but for us, it, it's, you know, this Syracuse team, they're just who we thought they were really at the end of the day. And they lost a lot of pieces. And I think that should be noted that, you know, they were projected to finish 10th in the ACC and they finished 11th and they did so with a lot of injuries. So, they pretty much are who we thought they were. They are who we thought they were, and that leaves them firmly on the NCAA tournament bubble. We're up against our first break here on Fizz Radio on the score 1260. On the other side, Tim and I will break down SU's tournament chances, maybe compare their resume to a couple of other bubble teams, and there are a lot of them out there, especially in the ACC. Keep it locked here. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Welcome back to Fizz Radio on the score 1260, taking you up to the 10 o'clock hour. Tim Leonard joined by J.D. Rachi. And, 
JD, it's time to answer that uh, million-dollar question here, which um, is... So the question is, what's your favorite color, right? No, 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 no. It's actually... Is it what's your favorite ice cream flavor? No, no, that's close. But it's actually the same question we've been asking for the past three years, which is, will Syracuse basketball make the tournament? Oh, that question. Yep. That oh, question. that's a that's a big one. That that that's a toughie. Not that not as easy as favorite color and favorite ice cream flavor. No. Which for everybody listening, I know you're very interested. Uh, red and oh, chocolate God. chip cookie dough. All right, I'm glad we got that out of the way. <laughs> anyway, back to more important stuff. So, you look at the Syracuse team. You look at last year. Obviously, didn't make the tournament, and the committee points to the road wins. I'm just confused because it's kind of the opposite this year when you look at their resume. They have some road wins. They've got five wins away from the Carrier Dome. You've got the big one over Miami, the big one at Louisville, both Quadrant 1 wins, by the way. I don't know. Those are important. Yeah, those are pretty important important. this year. Very confusing. Actually, not that confusing, but, like, it's very confusing to, like, do it in a way that I could explain in, like, a five-second bite on radio. But, like, like, in an article would be much easier right. to understand. Maybe we'll get that out there. No, I, I wrote an article that broke down a little bit of like what the quadrants are. And I, by the way, quick sidebar, I agree. It seems confusing, and I feel like everyone's been like, oh, the Saber Nerds with their quadrant one wins. The but, Saber Nerds. But really, it's just incredibly simple. It's just if it's you... It's RPI plus where the game's played. Yeah. That's the fact of the matter. It just factors in more home versus away. But anyway, Syracuse has three quadrant one wins. They have that Louisville win, they have the Miami win, and then the Clemson win in the regular season finale. Compared to last year, that's nothing because they had three wins over top ten teams last year. Yeah, they had Florida State, Virginia, and Duke. But what they did have last year that they don't have this year are just bad wins. Yep. The worst, bad losses. I mean, bad losses, right. I should say. The worst losses on this year's resume, Georgia Tech and Wake Forest, both on the road, both in conference. Right. That's and not that you, bad. That's really not that bad, considering they lost by 30 to St. John's at home last year. They lost to Georgetown at home last year, who wasn't very good. Uh, you know, they just had some really, really ugly, ugly losses that they shouldn't have had. And they don't have those this year. And that's why the, the tournament case for this SU team is so confusing. It's just they are the most middle of the road. We right. did what we need to do, but we didn't do anything extra to get into the tournament. We beat who we should beat. We lost to who we should lost to. Now, please let us into the NCAA tournament. <laughs> is that enough? I don't know. Well, it's interesting because... All the other bubble teams, I feel like, are the opposite. I feel like they're very inconsistent, and they have plenty of Quadrant 1 marquee wins, and they have plenty of bad losses. You look at an Alabama, a Texas, or even an Oklahoma, you can can have the conversation whether they're on the bubble. I think they should be on the bubble, and maybe not even in the tournament, but that's for another discussion. They all have those big wins compared to Syracuse, But they have a lot of bad losses, so really it comes down to the one fundamental question the committee's going to have to answer this year is, do you value marquee wins more than you value doing your job and avoiding those bad losses? Based on the metrics, I'd say, I guess you could call them, aside from Quadrant 1 wins, Syracuse should be in the NCAA tournament. RPI, they had one of the toughest non-conference strengths of schedule in the country. I think it was like 16th or something like that. And they didn't even play in a marquee tournament at the beginning of the season. They played in that Miami Hoop Hall Invitational, yep. whatever, and played Kansas. But 
based on those kinds of metrics, which is what the committee has used in the past, RPI, BPI, strength of schedule, that's what they've kind of been looking at and using to ju judge these teams. Syracuse should be pretty firmly and pretty comfortably in the NCAA tournament, aside from maybe the fact that they went under 500 in conference. But then again, you're also going under 500 in the best conference in college right, basketball. Right, yep. I think that's – it's just – Syracuse is such a – it's it's going to be interesting because they are such a case study. They really just are the opposite of what you think an NCAA tournament team should be, but at the same time they're meeting, they're hitting all those traditional criteria. So right now you don't think they're going to get in? I don't think so. Yeah. I think especially because uh, Ty Spaddle might be the most underrated star player in the country in terms of the national media exposure this guy gets. He's putting up 20 points a game. That's third in the ACC. Actually, he might not be the most underrated. He might not even be the most underrated in the conference. I think Jerome Robinson of Boston College yeah. is the most underrated star player in the country, but Tyus Battle is a close I second. I thought Battle deserved first-team All-ACC over Kyle Guy. I think Kyle got – they had to get somebody from the yeah. number one team in the country. But they I don't even to. think Kyle Guy is the best player on that team. I think Devon Hall has been their most important player. So I think since they kind of canceled each other out, I think Tyus Battle played remarkable all season deserved it. So that kind of goes to your point of maybe right. he's not getting enough attention. He's not getting enough attention, and the way this, you're kind of probably wondering, how does this Tyus Battle not getting enough attention tie into the NCAA tournament? At the end of the day, the NCAA tournament is meant to have the most exciting games and the most exciting matchups with the most exciting players possible. And because Syracuse doesn't have that national star that some of these other bubble teams have, I think that's a serious disadvantage. But that's crap. If that's I agree. I agree. I don't think that's the way it should be. I'm just saying I think that's the way it could be. You look at Oklahoma, they've got the star of the season in Trey Young. Yep. Nobody has gotten more national media exposure than Trey Young. You look at Texas, you've got maybe the number one overall pick in next year's NBA draft, or this year's NBA draft, I should say, in Mo Bamba. You look Alabama, at Alabama's Colin got Colin Sexton. I mean, these teams just have more firepower and more offensive, or not even offensive talent, but just more talent and more star players than Syracuse has. And I'm a little bit worried that something like that could keep SU out of the tournament. Like I said, I think this team, breaking down Saber metrics, break, or not even Saber metrics, but <laughs> just breaking down statistics and all these statistical anomalies and things we've used to put teams into the tournament in the past, I think this Syracuse, this Syracuse resume is probably better than last year's. Yeah, I, would I really agree. do think so because they have the road wins. They beat Miami. Two, two of your top three wins are on the road, which and is And they impressive. weren't just awful for one half of the season like last year. Yeah, last year non-conference was an unmitigated disaster. <laughs> yeah. Also, you could even call it a dumpster fire, which, funny enough, is getting put into the dictionary. That's another uh, topic huh. and, and debate. Fun fact. A little fun fact here on Fizz Radio. But – I personally don't think Syracuse will make it into the tournament. I think there are teams out there with a little bit more firepower, and as you mentioned, the big wins. You saw Oklahoma beat a Kansas team. I think they beat West Virginia as well in conference. Yeah, I think they did too. They've so, got some good wins. They've got some really, really good me, wins. Let me vent about Oklahoma. because I know, I know you've gotten riled up about them. I love Trey Young. I agree. He's the star. He's the ball of the dance. And I think, if anything, he's gone from – overrated to maybe even underrated because he frankly just doesn't have many guys around him but you mean Kadeem Latin is not a top tier NBA uh, no. NCAA player no he's not oh okay 
I, I mean, I, I think comparatively to some other teams, he just doesn't have that many pieces. And I think people look at his stats and they say, why is he shooting so much? And it's because he doesn't have that many guys around him. So I'm on his side on that case. But this Oklahoma team, I don't think should be in the tournament. And I don't even, I've seen they're not even on the bubble in some metrics, in some bracketologist's eyes. They've lost eight of their last ten games. They've controlled their own destiny and just had to win one game here or there down the stretch, and they continuously keep falling short. And frankly, they haven't even been close. They lose to Oklahoma State in the first round. A game, if they win that, they're in. They controlled their own destiny. They didn't get the job done. And I, I think it matters more what you do at the end of the season versus at the start of the season. I think that should be a factor because it's all about how these teams are playing going into March. And you look at a team like Arizona State, another team I don't think should be on the tournament, just because the don't think should be in the tournament field. Just because these two teams made it inside the top five at one point in the season doesn't mean anything to me. Arizona State has lost 10 of their last 14 games, and I honestly think that should that should be fresh in the committee's mind, and they should factor that more than anything else. So you think they should be out. Do you think they're in, though? Based Syracuse on, or Oklahoma and Arizona? Oklahoma and Arizona State also I, th- I think they're both going to get in, partially because of what you said with the big stars and everything. But And then what do you think Syracuse Syracuse, I'd say, doesn't get in, but I think they, they, depending on what goes down and how these tournaments wrap up, I think they should probably be in, just because, like you said, their resume has been much better than last year, and they've got a lot of more things on their side. But we'll just have to wait and see. Don't forget to follow us at Orange Fizz on Twitter for all the live updates during Selection Sunday. We'll be right back after this short break. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Rolling right along here on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. J.D. Rachi with Tim Leonard. And, Tim, you know, we talked about this Syracuse basketball team, how they fared this season so far, how this season might go with the NCAA tournament. But there is certainly some excitement heading into the season next year. Now, we don't want to look too far ahead. Certainly still an opportunity for Syracuse to get into the NCAA tournament. But let's look ahead anyways. It's always fun <laughs> to look at some recruits here on Orange Fizz. And two of those recruits in next year's class, Darius Baisley and Jalen Carey, on Thursday afternoon were invited to be in the Jordan Brand Classic at the Barclays Center in early April. And I think this just proves how talented these two guys are and how much fans should be excited for the 2018-2019 basketball season here on the Hill. Absolutely. I mean... Darius Baisley, we know, got the nod to the McDonald's All-American game, and he's going to be one of Syracuse's first participants in that game since I think Malachi Richardson, so that's a big honor. But Jalen Carey did not get a nod into that game, so it's good to see him get invited to this Jordan Brand Classic, which is really the second biggest game. Everyone talks about the McDonald's All-Americans. Ooh, McDonald's All-American. We've got got five McDonald's All-Americans on our team. (laughs) Who's that, Kentucky? Are you... Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, yeah, all of them. Yeah, so, I mean, we got a chance to look at Darius Baisley earlier this season, not look at him in person, but we watched him. Yeah, we watched one of his games. Yeah. He is one talented man. Boy, is he good. He's going to be fun to watch. And we talked about earlier in the show, we talked about how this team kind of lacks front court depth. Darius Baisley provides that almost immediately. And this kind of honor, I think, proves – that Syracuse is now not only recruiting, not I don't want to say on a national scale. I mean, Baisley's from Ohio, Jalen Carey's from New York. They're not branching out too, too far, but they're recruiting and getting these top guys that everybody in the country wants. Yeah. Make no mistake, John Calipari wants Darius Baisley. 
I think I think yeah. I Coach agree. K wants Darius Baisley. I, I mean, absolutely. He's ninth in the recruiting class for a reason, and he's really skyrocketed up those polls. I think he was kind of an up and comer, but like like we said, we saw him play against Romeo Langford and have an incredible game, and we both are in the same camp. He's the real deal, and he's going to make an impact right away. I think this recruiting class as a whole, though, really shows that the sanctions and all that mess that happened and taking away scholarships is kind of, I'm not going to say in the rearview mirror completely, but it's at least at the point where we're past that and we're moving on. Because this is the type of class, maybe even better than the type of classes that Syracuse used to get before those sanctions. It's not really, you know, an all-time great Syracuse class. You do have Darius Baisley, who's the highest recruit since Carmelo Anthony. But it's, it's you know, it's a good class. It's not great. But given what we've seen the past two or three years, and obviously those have been hindered by some of these sanctions, I think it's one of the best classes they've had in, one of the best classes they've had in the last five years. I think that's no doubt about that. Yeah, and I think the most important thing to also realize is both of both of these guys, both Darius Baisley and Jalen Carey, are going to make, make immediate and important impacts on this team next season. It's not like, kind of, when Mark Dolajai, like when we found out that Mark Dolajai was going to be a part of Syracuse basketball when he committed to the Orange a couple of whenever he committed a, month, right. a couple of months ago a year ago or so, we kind of said okay this is get this guy's going to be a nice little role player a nice little bench piece he's blossomed into a starter a pretty darn good one at that but you know coming into next season that Darius Baisley and Jalen Carey are going to be two of the marquee guys on this team you can debate till the cows come home if Jalen Carey's going to start. Um, personally, I don't think he, don't think he will. I no. think he's probably going to be the first guy off the bench for Syracuse. I think Darius Baisley will almost certainly start, barring some sort of catastrophe. <laughs> but I think the fact that this team is getting guys that are going to be able to make immediate impacts in a big way is super important for this team because we talked about the lack of depth. I don't see a lack of depth issue next season. I no. just don't. Oh, no. There's maybe too many guys. I think... A guy like a Buddy Beheim might even have to do a redshirt year, which is hard to believe, but they've got 11 or 10 guys if you get Tyus Battle to return. You know, just thinking about the starting five, I think it would have to be Howard. If Battle comes back, he's obviously your starting shooting guard. If he doesn't, it's probably going to be Elijah Hughes, the transfer from ECU, who had to sit out this year, but is And talk about another guy talent. that's incredibly good. Yeah, he's basically a so, part of that recruiting so class. Good. And I think Jim Beheim said so, that you know if you factor in Hughes, this is a really, really good recruiting class. So he's going to come in, he'll be in his sophomore season, but you think he'll probably start in the backcourt along with Howard, and then you'll get Baisley, like you said, Brissett at the power forward, and I guess Chukwu at the center position, like it was this that's year. That's not half bad. That's really strong starting five, and it gets even better because they've got tons of pieces to come off the bench. If Matthew Moyer doesn't transfer, he'll be around. Mark Dolzhai, who we've seen continue to get better. Barama Sidibe, the list goes on and on and on. So even with Buddy Beheim, I'm seeing nine or ten guys, if you count Howard Washington, who will come back hopefully fully healthy from that injury. So maybe even 10 or 11 guys you get up to, and then it becomes how does Jim Beheim operate with 11 guys because we've never seen him play more than seven. Yeah, and I think that that just speaks to how good, how underrated a recruiter Jim Beheim is because we kind of saw everybody's like, oh, well, Mike Hopkins is the guy that gets all these recruits for Syracuse. Red Autry is the guy that gets all these recruits for Syracuse. Well, now Hop is at Washington, 
And Syracuse is still getting these recruits and is maybe like you said, it's been it's the best recruiting class in a while for Syracuse. Absolutely. So I think that really speaks to Jim Beheim. Um but another thing we gotta mention, twenty eighteen, the class is fantastic. Carey, Baisley, Bayheim, and I guess you could say Elijah Hughes as well, even though he's already with the team. But looking forward to 2019, Syracuse already has a commitment from Bryson Goodine, a guard from St. Andrew's School in Rhode Island. And then this week he also had some good news, Bryson Goodine did, named the Gatorade Player of the Year for the state of Rhode Island. Big honor. So, huge honor. And that kind of just, I don't I, I keep saying this proves something. But I think that kind of thing shows that this Syracuse team is recruiting really talented guys, and they want to play for Jim. <laughs> In the words of Colin Coward, they want to play for Jim. <laughs> yeah. Not Jim Harbaugh like Colin Coward was talking about, but Jim Beheim. And I think this is such a prestigious honor for Bryson Goodine, who's only a junior. He won't even be in college next year. So the fact that he's considered to be the best player in the state of Rhode Island and he's not even a senior is already an impressive honor. And then he's still got a whole other year to develop his game before he even gets to Syracuse. Watch out for the Syracuse basketball program in the next couple of years. It's kind of like the football program. We've seen the uptick in talent and people should take notice because there could be some seriously great things happening in Central New York in the next couple of years. Yeah, you mentioned Bayheim's underrated as a recruiter, and I kind of tend to agree with you. It seems like all these guys, once they put the pen to paper, and you know their first question is, why'd you come to Syracuse? It seems like they always mention, oh, I wanted to play for the Hall of Famer Jim Bayheim. He's a legend. I just wanted to continue that legacy. I wanted to go play that 2-3 zone for Jim Beheim. So I don't think that gets enough credit. And Goodine is a guy who's not a top 100 guy right now. As you said, he's got a year to develop. But this really proves that he might be overlooked. He might be a guy that's better. If he's getting, yeah, if he's getting a Gatorade Player of the Year nominee, I mean, there's only 50 of those each year. So it's a pretty prestigious honor. Definitely a prestigious honor. But, Tim, I'm going to stop you there. We've heard enough from us. It's time to hear from you guys, Fizz Nation. Coming up on the other side of this break, we'll have Fizz Feedback, talking a little bit about what you think SU could do in the tournament, what went wrong against UNC, and then Tyus Battle leaving Syracuse. Oh, no. Oh, boy. Coming up on the other side, you're listening to Fizz Radio on The Score 1260. Wrapping things up here on Fizz Radio, Tim Leonard alongside J.D. Rachi, and we're going to do a little Fizz Feedback, J.D., give... Fizz Nation a chance to get their voices heard. So we put out some polls earlier this week, and we got a lot of feedback on a couple of these. One of them, the obvious question, will Syracuse make the NCAA tournament compared to after the UNC loss? How does their resume stack up? And pretty close right now. It's at yes, 44%, and 56% say no, say hello to the NIT. So... About what you expect, right? I mean, kind yeah, of. Yeah, I think up. this. I think this kind of this kind of split is very much what bracketologists are feeling right now. The Jerry Palms of CBS and the Joe Lenardi bracket. Joey, Just giving up SU Joey, questions. Joey brackets. Give it up, SU questions right. for Lent. I think this is how a lot of people feel about this Syracuse team. Pretty split, but a lot leaning toward no, not in the tournament. So I'm not super surprised at this result from Fizz Nation. Early on, though, I was monitoring this poll pretty closely. Early on, it was about 80% yes, and I was floored. Yeah. A little bias maybe there. Maybe a little bias. We are orange Fizz, after all. But I think this lines up perfectly with what I thought was going to happen. 
Um, but one thing that we did mention uh, to Fizz Nation is make sure you let us know why or why not. And Mike Vidala at SU Vidala said, Their resume is good enough, but people see them as worse than they are because their strengths are effort, defense, and rebounding. Not sexy. I think that's a good point. I think it's a fantastic point. That's yeah. why I brought up Mike Vidala's comment. Thank you so much, Mike, for commenting along with us. Um, and then Sammy Francois kind of brings up a similar point at Sammy Boy 24 Committee will, will throw teams like Oklahoma, Texas, and Alabama in ahead of us, us being Syracuse, because of the big-name players, Trey Young for Oklahoma, Mo Bamba for Texas, and Colin Sexton for Alabama. And I think that kind of speaks to this Syracuse team is not sexy narrative, is that they don't have right. that one standout, one-and-done freshman that everybody wants to watch in the NCAA tournament. And they aren't a flashy offensive team. They're not going to score a lot of points. They're going to drag you out, and they're going to try to be physical with it. Yeah, I mean, those guys have been left out of the tournament before, though. We should mention Ben Simmons, ben Simmons Dennis sure, Smith yeah. Jr. Yeah. So, it, you know, the it's not like the committee has set a precedent for, all right, we're going to do all we can to get these big-name guys in the tournament. But you're right. They're not a sexy team, and that could come back to haunt them couple other things to mention is how they stack up against other bubble teams. We put out a poll. What other bubble team do you think is most dangerous for SU's tournament chances? The four choices we had were USC, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, and Alabama, who had a big win in the first round of the SEC tournament on a huge buzzer beater from Colin Sexton, another one of those big-name one-and-done guys. Right now, Notre Dame leading the way at 41%. I have to think that's because they did go into Syracuse into the Carrier Dome and beat Syracuse without their two best players. So it's kind of tough when you stack those up, and if you use that as a tiebreaker, it's kind of tough to put Notre Dame out and Syracuse in. Yeah, and I think that peop- that Fizz Nation is right again here. Notre Dame is probably the biggest threat to your- the tournament chances if you're Syracuse, especially out of those four choices. As I said, I think Oklahoma's pretty firmly in the tournament because of Trey Young. USC's a Pac-12 team. Pac-12's kind of a joke. Alabama, again, Colin Sexton, one of those sexy players out there, one of those one-and-done kind of guys. Um, So I think Notre Dame, with the way they're built, their resume, how their season went, why they didn't do as well as people thought they were going to, plus that head-to-head win in the Carrier Dome over Syracuse, I certainly think Notre Dame is probably the reason, or not. I don't want to say the reason, but could be a reason that Syracuse doesn't make it into this NCAA tournament. As we said, the bubble is probably more loaded and more filled than we've ever seen it before. I feel like there are bubble more bubble teams this year than I than you normally see. I think there's a lot more cloudiness to the bubble teams this year, and Notre Dame is certainly a reason why. Because as you mentioned, didn't have Matt Farrell, didn't have Bonzi Colson toward that middle part of the season. Yeah, they're a really interesting case study because on one hand, it's kind of unfair to the other bubble teams to not factor in completely what they did without Matt Farrell and Bonzi Colson. And on the other hand, it's kind of unfair to Notre Dame to not factor in how they played when they've had Bonzi Colson and that, you know, he was injured for a bulk of the season and that really hurt them. So... Definitely hard to envision Notre Dame getting in, or excuse me, Notre Dame not getting in and Syracuse getting in based on that victory. I agree. One of our other polls, we'll wrap it up with this one. What do you think Tyus Battle does after this season? We put goes to the NBA, enters the draft, but doesn't sign with an agent and comes back, or he just never leaves SU and just comes back for a sophomore season. 
Right now, leading the way is enters the draft but returns at 55%. 28% says he goes to the NBA, and 17% say he's staying. So it seems like most people think he's going to the draft. Again, I kind of agree with Fizz Nation here. Not very Fizz often, Nation. Not very often on Fizz Feedback do I agree with Fizz Nation straight up all three through. But, I, again, I think Ty Battle's best course of action here Put your name in, don't sign with an agent, test the waters, maybe head to the NBA Combine, try to figure out where you're going to land. Haven't seen him show up, show up on a lot of uh, of mock drafts, right. but there's certainly a chance that Tyus Battle can make it to the NBA. I think coming back for one more season is his best course of action, though. We'll just have to wait and see on Battle, and we'll also just have to wait and see on SU's tournament chances. That'll do it for this edition of Fizz Radio. For J.D. Rachi, I'm Tim Leonard. Have a great rest of your weekend, Orange Nation.